William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday spot. 52 weeks a year. Silver 7's. Big show on the way today. Real big show. We get the uh, Brittany Griner sentence. We'll get to that with uh, Judge Dan a little later in the show. Raiders tonight, Hall of Fame game against the Jags. So we'll break down what we're looking for in the game. And that one is actually on NBC. Yeah. I thought it would be the the Amazon debut. Isn't Amazon doing Thursday Night Football? Uh, I would say yes, but I, I, I mean, I think NBC's got something with the Hall of Fame because it's every year on NBC. All right. So tonight... Remember, no more Collinsworth and Al Michaels. It's now Tarico, which I could kind of take or leave. And then Melissa Stark, out of nowhere, is back. So something to look for on the announcing front. And then, of course, we've got coverage right now. We want you to stay here and listen to us, but you can go to Raider Nation Radio 920, and we'll do this before every game. But we've had coverage since noon. Harry Ruiz started the day at noon. Q just finished up 1-3. to He's on the ground in Canton. Uh, JTTB, JT the Brick, is with Eric Allen now until 5, and then kick off with new Raiders radio voice in for Brent Musburger. Jason Horowitz will be up for the game call with Lincoln Kennedy. So football's back, baby. He's not in for Brent Musburger, okay? This is his gig now. Well, I just want to mention Brent was doing it. That's all. He was. New voice. And who, who, who the old voice was. Yeah. He's our guy. Yes. Uh, 277 right now and lots of the drinks at two different bars here at Silver 7's. So I mentioned Silver 7's all year long. Well, Jim Sims is one of the guys. He's a guy. Uh, he's the GM here at Silver 7's, so he's nice enough to have us in for another football season, giving us a couple minutes here at the top of the show. So what's up? Uh, good to have you guys. Thanks for being here. We're excited about uh, some football being back on the TV soon, so that's great. Awesome specials all the time. I know we're not rolling out the like the – the, the best Bud Light special yet, which, you know, for hockey and football last year was insane. 77-cent beer. So I know you guys have something big planned coming up here, but you do have specials going for the Hall of Fame game tonight, right? Yep. We're going to do the 77-cent bottles for tonight. And we're also oh, you are? Going, yeah, we're going to throw that in tonight. Right, kick go. it off. And uh, for seven seventy-seven, you're going to get two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce draft. So Beautiful. great place to come in and uh, see the preseason kickoff. William Hill uh, Racing Sportsbook right across the way. And like I said, Two bars going in just a little bit. We're at the Bud Light Lounge, silver and gold across the way. And then we'll get to A-play and all the, the giveaways. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But, you know, you and I talked last week. First of all, I don't know if you were listening after we had lunch, right? But I was giving props to those chicken fingers. Now, here's the great thing. I'm going to put JVT on the griddle because JVT was here last week. And when I mentioned I ordered chicken fingers, he was like, come on. That's the order of a child. And I was like, oh, really? Really? I, I said, like, actually, I, I'll be honest. I was like, GM Jim got the chicken fingers, too. What I said was, if I was in a meeting with somebody I wanted to do business with and they ordered chicken fingers, I would cancel the deal right there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could have cost us a deal. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, that's exactly what I said. Steve was our guest, and he, he got to pick whatever. <laughs> I got whatever I, actually, I look at it like I, you know, it's not like I ordered the fanciest thing on the menu. Did you order after him? Uh, yeah, I, did, I just followed. So, yeah, I was going to say, he's just doing it to make you feel comfortable. No, because no, no, he, he, he came over the top with the gravy. He's like, good Lord, this guy. <laughs> I did, yeah. It's great. He's Canadian. He appreciates gravy. New Jersey, we appreciate gravy with our, our disco fries that are kind of like poutine. So how fired up are you for football? Because I know you're a massive football fan. Now, here's the, the great thing about Jim, and he can explain it. Um, you're not really a Raiders fan yet. You're wearing a Raiders jersey. 
I don't think you're going to make the transition anytime soon because? Uh, I'm trying. Uh, no, it, it, the property is fully supporting. Obviously, we're thrilled to have the Raiders in town. And, and one of the things we're doing at Silver 7s is really, you know, trying to get a position with the sports teams, let everybody know that we're a great locals joint to come in and, and have fun, watch the games. Uh, one thing we do here is we have all the staff uh, that can dress up in jerseys during the Raider games. Uh, we do a lot of fun things for them. We do it for the Golden Knights as well. But I, I was originally, uh, Steve mentioned, originally from Toronto, saw the Chargers, fell in love with the uh, the Bolts, and now I'm somewhat conflicted being a Raider fan and a Charger fan at the same time, but I'm working through it. I got a buddy. Can you work through it? That's a question. I don't think you can. I mean, so I got a buddy who work, who's a, like a diehard Chargers fan to the point where there was a night out and I lambasted him for how crappy the Chargers have been for decades, and I had to apologize the next day because I think I got a little too intense and was told I had to apologize. <laughs> um, but he did time. Did time. Uh, he worked for the Raiders for a short amount of time, for like six months during the season, and he would go you know, work at Allegiant with a custom like little Chargers license plate on the front thing. He would never give it up, even though he was getting a paycheck signed by the Raiders. So they don't have to give it up. Listen, when the Chargers played the Raiders last year, just to see who's getting in the playoffs, I was at that. That was that was a fun night. But uh, look, I think we're all just excited to have football back. Obviously, last year uh, was a great year in the transition for the team. But uh, the AFC West is just going to be it's going to be just fireworks all year long. So is that a Gene, Gene Prabola jersey? Uh, that's actually Amari Cooper. But when he left, oh, okay. I just flipped the plates. So. How about that? There you go. Look at that. How about that name, huh? Yeah. It was. Uh, it's funny. I was at a party last week. And as people are prone to do when they party and they start drinking, there was a lot of trash talk about football. I wasn't involved, right? Because uh, I, you know, I'm a Jets fan, so they were busting on the Jets. Although I will point out, there were Cowboys fans there, and for Cowboys fans, Cowboys' last NFC Championship, if I'm correct, was '95, '96. Yes. The Jets have made three AFC Championship games since. Now they haven't made the Super Bowl. Two with the Sanchez. Cowboys have made none. Uh, on top of that. My SO, as you know, significant other, is also a Chargers fan. And it was a Niners fan and a Cowboys fan busting on the Chargers. And I'm, I kept saying to her, I'm like, you know, they're they're really scared. Because, like, I like Dak Prescott, and I think he's really good. Trey Lance, we have no idea on. Like, your guy is better than their guys. Justin Herbert is better than, what are we talking about, 27 guys in the NFL? So, when people <laughs> mock on the Chargers, it's more of that. Still out. What they've done in the past. I know you have the jury still out, but <laughs> I would feel pretty good as a Chargers fan yes. with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have a really good year, and, and obviously with the Raiders uh, picking up 17, Devontae Adams, uh, re-signing Carr, I, I, it's just going to be an awesome year to watch football. It really is. JBT's here. Jim Sims, GM of Silver 7s. Uh, here, as I said, is Silver 7s. We've got 277 happy hour going on right now tonight. 777 special, two dogs, two chips, 22-ounce beer. During the game, 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, McUltra, too? McUltra, too. McUltra yeah. as well. I try to memorize all this stuff. Uh, game kicks off at 5 o'clock. It's Raiders and Jags in the Hall of Fame game. John, we think Adam Hill is a lunatic when it comes to fantasy football. Jim is crazy. Yeah. 50, he, by the beginning of the season, 50-plus leagues? Yeah, it'll be at least 50. I, I did At uh, least. Yeah, I did uh, 10 on NFFC, um, kind of best ball, but uh, a lot of Yahoo uh, leagues, a few SPN leagues. Uh, just, it's, I don't know, it's the greatest time of the year. You've got football starting, and for me, as I said to Steve, when it's draft day, it's Christmas morning. Uh, it's the best feeling ever, getting on there and, and competing and having fun. 
I just absolutely love it. I, uh, I've got a bit of a hack I can share. I use a site called fantasypros.com that allows you to manage your teams and even does, you know, uh, if a player gets injured, they'll, they'll swap out the player for you and stuff. So it's, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a challenge to manage all that many uh, different ins and outs in your rosters, but I absolutely love it, and it, it's one of the passions. I'm, I'm married with four boys, and uh, it's kind of my hideaway at night when I get a little downtime. I know about that. Yeah, just just I have a little, that. just yeah. jump into the computer and keep up with everything. But uh, you know, it's I'm not the only one. Obviously, fantasy football is huge. Uh, it's big in town. I just saw today Matthew Berry's uh, back in the game is with NBC. So it's uh, increasing the profile everywhere. But ESPN and Field Eats and those guys watch that show every morning before kickoff. And uh, just a lot of fun. Really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I will say this. That sounds insane, first off. Uh, are, they, are, are you in, like, leagues, like, free-to-join leagues, like randos and things like that? Or do you know that many people that you join that many leagues? No, I'll, I'll join a public, uh, a lot of the Yahoo Pay leagues, yeah. um, play for money. End up doing uh, relatively well, I, yeah. not, not too bad. But some of the, the like the professional leagues, like the NFFC, I, I, it's mostly best ball. Yeah. Um, you know, twenty five bucks, something like that. But uh, I don't play with, with the sharks that are in a, you know the hundred thousand dollar contest. Those guys have <laughs> algorithms and you know like computers strapped to them all day long. But you know, the, the best ball is a lot of fun because you can jump in and you can start to see pretty much where everybody starts to go in different formats, whether it's PPR or half point or regular. Uh, I know in best ball, sometimes you'll get to, on NFC, you'll get, you know, 300 players deep, you're drafting the, the beer guy and the concession staff and everybody. My God. Wow. Yeah, so you're ready to go by the time the Yahoo ones kick in and they're just starting to kick in now. You're pretty well versed. Wow. You haven't drafted, right? No. Yeah. So you have, you just said at least 10. So give me a guy who's risen that surprised you, who's going a lot higher than you thought. Maybe not a surprise. What's, what's happening a lot this year is it's recency bias. Everybody's got the first 10, 15 chalk players in slightly different order. Cooper Cup's right near the top, given what he did last year. But I think there's a couple guys that are, um, you know, Debu Samuel, for example. He had a great year last year, but his whole contract dispute was about he doesn't want to play receiver as much. So I think he may be one guy that's, that's overdrafted a little bit. You've obviously got a lot of running backs that go. Christian McCaffrey is a huge question mark. He was the first-round pick the last few years. And, you know, you took him and then you were dead because yep. your first pick was gone with injury. Uh, he's you sitting at number two or number three, so a lot of people are, you know, kind of banking on him coming back. But typically you get a lot of the running backs that go, but a lot of these guys get injured, and a lot of it is running back by committee now. So you're starting to see... You know, the, the Cups, the Jeffersons, Jamar Chase, those guys are in the top 10, 15. You got Diggs, you got Devontae Adams, and usually the receivers are a little less injury prone. But uh, you're seeing a lot of volatility. You got uh, guys like Allen Robinson that are starting to come back up because of his opportunity with the Rams. And then you got some people starting to drop that uh, it, it's, it's kind of in a shakeout phase in the industry right now. It's going to take a few weeks for everything to normalize. But that's what a lot of people are doing. They're jumping in early because they have some people that they think are bargains they want to jump on, and they want to get their teams drafted early because of that. Silver 7, GM Jim Sims is with uh, Cofield and company, Jim Sims. So let's talk about the property and the overhaul like the last two years. Yep. So what are you most proud of? What are the, the big changes? You guys put a lot of money into this place. Yeah, we uh, a couple of years ago we uh, upgraded all of our hotel rooms, uh, 328 rooms that we improved on. We did the pool, uh, new furniture for the pool. Uh, we have just completed the remodel of our cafe upstairs. We're going to call it the City Cafe. Absolutely beautiful upstairs. Uh, we made, with COVID, we made some adjustments to our slot floor, made it a little wider, a little more spacious. 
and there's some capital plans to do some other things I can't share just yet but uh, our corporate group and our ownership group think it's a great property we do too and we're excited about all the things that we can do to grow the business here and again let's repeat the beer special during the season is unrivaled anywhere in town believe me folks and you know this for locals listen i love the strip everyone loves the strip but you, know, you go to the strip sometimes and they're like hey 35 dollar bucket you know it, it starts to hit hard silver sevens whether it's you know before raiders game by the way this is actually a great spot uh, you know if you wanted to st- you want to stay here on a little you know staycation and zip over to the game in the morning it's you know relatively close to the al but just on a game day game days because the nfl is basically going on every day the specials are awesome yeah the, the 77 cent bottle is incredibly popular and you know we we get it here we, we're trying our best to, we appreciate the business we know it's a competitive market we're all we're all working hard to, to make this place a fun place, and, and this is just some of the stuff we do in conjunction with the sport teams to give everybody a great experience when they're here. Well, so the audience knows, and I say it all the time, I appreciate you bringing us in because you guys were here through COVID, and you know a lot of people dropped off through COVID. So thank you, and I'm excited to be back here again. Well, thank you guys for being with us for this long, and uh, appreciate all you do for us. Thank you. All right, we'll come back and uh, talk about Roger Goodell. They have assigned someone to judge this Deshaun Watson appeal, pretty amazing stuff. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. If Goodell brings in an independent arbitrator again, we could see the independent arbitrator go a completely different direction. But at least the NFL gets to say, hey, we're trying again. We're trying, guys. We care about women and we care about these accusations and we are trying to bring the hammer down on this guy. It's just it's not up to us. And so we're doing what we can. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. I like Amber Wilson. She's an attorney out of South Florida. She's doing a lot of Canton, Canton, Canty, and Carlin. Mm. Um, but she's been buffaloed here, like so many people are being fooled. First of all, they don't care about women. And I, I'll bring up past examples in a couple of minutes, and the response could be, "Well, this is the beginning of them really showing it." Is it really? Is it really? Um, and the the notion that there's a mystery. The new arbitrator could come in and do something completely different. Two games. The new person is coming in and doing exactly what Roger Goodell tells him to do. (laughs) There's not even a mystery to this. And, like, I don't like talking about the Deshaun Watson situation because a lot of people out there, and and probably women listening, and there's a lot of guys offended by it, too. This is not exclusive to women, the six-game suspension. But they, they hear us talking about the rules, the process, the facts. And the conclusion is, you're defending Deshaun Watson. No, I'm defending rules, facts, and a process. This should not be an emotional decision. And most importantly, and this is the problem with the NFL in terms of consistency across the board, this should not be a business decision. And that's what it will become. Right. Do they care about women? No. Do they care about women's business? Yeah. Yeah. This this will become – I mean, I've heard people analyze this as retired judge Sue L. Robinson looked at this like a lawyer and a judge. Yeah. That's why she was brought in. So, anyway, what happened yesterday after the six-game suspension starts the week, 
Roger Goodell says, hey, we're going to appeal it. Mm-hmm. That is the right of the NFLPA and the NFL. And this whole process, this is where this is starting with an outside voice to make a judgment call in cases like this, and then both sides have a right to appeal it. Goodell had three days, so he's appealing it. And now they have designated a new person to look into this from the NFL side. Jersey guy. Yeah, it's a guy who was a former attorney general in New Jersey. But he's already been involved in several NFL decisions. I think Zeke Elliott was included. Yeah, Zeke Elliott. And I'll tell you about Scott McLuhan in a second because he was running the Redskins organization at one point. He's going to rule on behalf of the league. Right. And what the league wants. The league wants the whole year and a fine. That's what's going to happen. I don't even know why we're doing this. Why just render a decision tomorrow and let's go to court? Mm-hmm. They're, they're really not going to wait the 10 days, right? This is stupid. I would think not. But I think what's, like, what's important is, too, is so a lot of people are asking the question, like, why judge Shoe Robinson? Then? Like, what was the point of using her? Well, also the point is, and Michael Lombardi, who works for me at Vison, brought this up. I thought it was a great point. Part of it, too, is if you read a report, she explicitly says, yeah, he was in violation of the policy. Yeah, he did these things. So now, when this goes to court, the NFL at least has that and says, we had an independent, we had an independent arbiter say that he did these things. Right? That's it. Like, that's what we can point to. He violated our policy. He did these things. We feel like the degree in which he did it warrants a higher suspension. Thus, it's a pretty solid thing to have in their back pocket when this eventually goes to court. But I agree with you. The point is, what's going to happen here is, like, why drag it out? Just say this is what we're going to do. Just have the dude say, yep, that's what that's He's what not independent. Right. He's, he's not, not independent. This new guy is not independent. Right. But I think we all know that. So we're just I, Amber Wilson was like, who knows what he'll do? We know what he's going to do. We, we all know he's ruling saying. on behalf of Roger Goodell. Goodell is doing his stuff at the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have time to do it. He doesn't want to do it because they want to have the appearance of having a buffer like, hey, we didn't make the call right. on a full season. Yeah, you did. And what? I'll tell you, th- this this guy in particular, I what I find really insulting is that he ruled in a case with the Washington GM, Scott McLuhan, who got fired mm-hmm. by the Redskins commander's football team. He ruled on behalf of Dan Snyder. There's already a pattern here of this guy enabling crap that is actually anti-female. So you're not doing it for females. And, and just to ro- roll you in on the McLuhan thing, McLuhan was part of what we now know as a very screwy organization, a very anti-female harassment workplace. McLuhan was fired for cause because he sued for $2.8 million, his additional salary. They said that he was drunk on the job. Um, there was a whole thing going on with McLuhan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but... His wife went after Diana Rossini, was talking about blowies yep. for stories. Uh, there are stories about Britt Brit McHenry when she worked around the organization. It goes back to Little Shanny and McVeigh. And remember, the other guy who was around for all this, Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen's kind of involved in some NFL troubles, isn't he? And right. John Gruden in the emails. This guy said Scott McLuhan was the outlier. No, he was the norm. Right. The other way to look at it is... You you rubber-stamped. He was used as a scapegoat, and you rubber-stamped all the stuff going on that we're now finding out about going back 15 years with Snyder's organization. And you were cool with it. Let's use this guy as a scapegoat Mm -hmm. because that's what the league wanted. 
Exactly. So, like the way to look at it, like you said, it's you know it's anti-female or it's just pro league, pro owner, pro Goodell. Like he's going to rule in whatever favor they want. So who knows? Maybe he comes out like when she says, "We don't know what he's going to do." Is there a chance that because in in the fourteen-page report that the judge released that you can read, it's in there. The NFL wanted an indefinite suspension. Right, that's what they want. Yep. Is there a chance that he comes out and says at twelve games as opposed to indefinite? Maybe that's the difference. But I would say that because just to that point, do optics even matter? Like the optics of him coming out, appealing it to this guy, looking at it, and giving the NFL exactly what it wanted, wouldn't look the best. It already doesn't look great. So maybe he comes out, gives it a longer suspension, but not to the degree that the NFL wanted. But here's the thing: anyway, we already know that Watson's going to challenge it in court regardless. Yep. <laughs> and this is where. The, the courts and collective bargaining and all that, we're going to hit with Judge Dan. And by the way, when I mentioned Rossini, that was an allegation thrown out there by McLuhan's wife. When I mentioned Britt McHenry, that's all message board fodder. It's, that's nothing against them. I'm just talking about the crazy environment right. that was going on. You had cheerleaders who were being spied on. You had NDAs being signed allegedly for sexual assault all the way up to the owner. That place is completely screwy, and the NFL turned its back. They used a, they used a former GM as a scapegoat. This, Because I've seen so many people who are like, you know, Goodell could be a hero here, and you just heard Amber Wilson like, hey, the, you know, the league can show it cares about women. Really? What about all the other ongoing cases? Right. And cases the last eight years. We just found out in the last six months the Cowboys had some creep who was spying on the cheerleaders and getting, like, upskirts. They paid him off NDA. Robert Kraft in his South Florida. Massage joints. How many times did he go? Right. Right? Do whatever you want, bro. But, I mean, what that, that was that's pro-female? Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, mm-hmm. alleged sexual harassment at the office. And here's the other one. The broadcast arm of the NFL, the NFL Network, Long history of harassment issues. Now, maybe they've come out of it, but talk to some women. Well, I mean, there was one woman who brought allegations against six personalities, and they're all gone, and we've heard nothing from them. But if you talk to enough female personalities who work there and left, oh, they have stories. And and I've I've heard a few of them. So please don't all of a sudden go, hey, this is a league that cares about women. They've got ongoing cases right now with issues in the workplace. I've never really. That's why I've never really understood trying to frame it in that way. If you look at this with any logic whatsoever, you understand what their decisions are. If there had been no blowback on six games for Deshaun Watson, then do you think we're here right now and they appeal it? Absolutely not. But like you said, it's a business decision. We already see reports and headlines of longtime like female fans of the Cleveland Browns. Yep. I was reading a feature on it just earlier today about how they're not going to go to games, even though they've been to, I think they've been to like a, a bunch of games or almost every single game for a certain amount of years. This is all about making sure that you're keeping their eyes because what's been one of the things they've been trying to do is grow the female fan base. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that they're trying to do is not turn that fan base away because that's one of their biggest growth markets. And by the way, the cherry on top of all of this is Sue made a decision. Peter's coming in to clean things up. Hmm. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. Damn, I'm excited. Hey, last year and Saturday this time, I was there in Hall of Fame, and it was unbelievable. 
So I'm excited to go back there. Have you shared that experience with Oh, don't need to. Just wanted to mention it to you guys because I'm excited. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Raiders assistant coach uh, Kennedy Palomalu talking about the excitement of the Hall of Fame game. It starts up at 5 o'clock. Right now all the pregame coverage is on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio 920. JVT is here. It's Cofield. Silver 7s is where we're at, 277 on drinks right now. Come on down. Most of the drinks, a lot of the drinks. At two different bars at Silver 7s, Flamingo, and Paradise. We'll get back to Deshaun Watson and the independent person who's going to be hearing the appeal from the NFL on Deshaun and his six-game suspension. Giveaway time, 364-1100, Four-pack of tickets, flicks on the field. They show movies at LV Ballpark, Las Vegas Ballpark. Friday the 12th, 7 o'clock, the movie Sandlot. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Four-pack of tickets right now. Ari's got them. 364-1100, caller 7. So I saw that you stumbled upon something that Adam Hill did the other day, and I think most, you know, luckily for Max Pacioretty, it was a podcast. I don't think a whole lot of people have really shined a light on what he said on the podcast, but I did digging. I found the audio for you, okay. Steve, or unless you guys played it the other day. Uh, we played some of it the other day. Oh, okay. I thought um, I was doing the extra And work. this was like the story of the year for Adam because he got to bash on fans and other media people which I didn't exactly hear that in the cuts, but we'll play the cuts here in a second once Ari's got the, the uh, prize winner taken care of. So what was your take on what Patch already said about Vegas as a hockey town? And I think more importantly, the organization. So I think first off, a lot of what he said, the, the headline are, is going to be like what he said, it seemed to me, about the face in the media, right? If you actually listen to the podcast, there's a portion where they initially ask him. It was, by the way, it was so weird because they were really obsessed with like his old stop in Montreal and everything like that. And at one point, it was actually great media. One of the co-hosts asked about Vegas. He actually gives a really good and eloquent answer, actually, about how much he loved living out here, the community, how fun it was, you know, not going down to the Strip and how much he liked the town, all that kind of stuff. And then the co-host goes, well, I want to go back to something really quickly. And then spend another 20 minutes on a different topic before they get back to Vegas, which was incredible. Um, but when you actually listen to it, because it's always important to listen to, like, tone and inflection and what they're actually meaning here, I think clearly he was saying – that there was, like, no pressure from the media and or fan base, or at least that he felt. He also had a weird line where he said he didn't know where to find the media, If he, right? And that was the weird thing to me, which was, what are you talking about? You can find it in two seconds. So, and he did, th- I want to say thrown to the bus because there's a super negative connotation to that. He did bring up that there was no intensity in the actual, like, franchise itself right like when he would come in he'd tell like a little thing like you know in other spots I would come back in after a bad game and I'd be looking straight down the ground and nobody want to look at me and here in Vegas I'd come in and they'd be all like hi man what's going on and be happy so it just kind of sounded like a really general way to say that there wasn't a really intense environment around the team when I first got there I was almost like it was kind of weird that there was no accountability and I'm not talking about like within the team I'm talking about like like everywhere, you just like you couldn't feel pressure coming off of anyone else from the coach from the management. Like, and then at the same time, like I, if, even if you wanted to find out what the media was saying about you, I don't even know how you would even go about that because it's like I don't even know if there, where the media would be on Twitter. I don't even know what to search or anything like that. I had an awful game, and I come in, and everyone's saying hi to me, and I'm like, okay, this is a little <laughs> weird. Like normally, like we walk by each other and like stare at the carpet. 
there was a relief when I got there, but then I found myself being like, okay, I got to kind of like reel this thing in and, and hold myself to a higher standard and hold Kick myself. Kick your own more. ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I had always done my whole life, but maybe I got away from that a little bit when I had everybody else kind of holding me accountable. So country club atmosphere. Right. Um, I think one thing I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, that's pretty weak on Pacioretty's part that, hey, I needed to be motivated by them. Is that one of the reasons that he was injured all the time? Maybe he wasn't that driven to come back right. early. But then he also said, like, I've always been like, well, apparently you haven't. Well, and also, I mean, because he mentions, like, the atmosphere in terms of, like, around the club. Like, then why don't you bring it yourself? Right. If you're a leader, if you're the guy who's supposed to be, you know, this 30 games or, excuse me, 30 goals a season type of dude and it's going to be one of the top-tier offensive players for this team, why is it not upon you to bring the intensity that you are looking for toward the club? Like it's it's really. How about weird. you do it for everyone else too? Right. That's the other thing we've heard is that, like there there really wasn't you know very many vocal people around the Golden Knights amongst the players. And Alec Martinez after the years like, yeah, we missed that. Well, if, if it was clear to Pacioretty that he wasn't being motivated, then not only drive yourself, but how about drive your teammates? You're a veteran player. You're making seven million dollars a year. Come on. Well, and so the, and there's a couple. I think there's a couple of other things here. First off, the weird comment about I wouldn't even know where to find the media like. The, I, what does that even mean? Like, so what, are you stupid. Talk, he, what are you talking about? There's a small collection of 8 to 12 people who cover the Golden Knights. Every day. Every day. He knows all of them. If you know their name, then you know, you know, Adam Hill. Right. You know, whatever. You, you can search. I don't even know what that means. Like, you, you, are, is he a morning paper guy? You needed the morning <laughs> paper delivered? It's 31-year-old, and you're like, yeah, I needed the paper. The morning paper wasn't there. Because here's the like thing. The 17 papers in Montreal going crazy. Because here's the thing, too. Uh, and maybe I'm just too close to it, but Reddit for the Vegas Golden Knights is a nightmare. Like that's and, and here's the other thing in this. What I thought about too is there was a lot of ire directed at the Knights. But you want to know what? It was. I look up on the stands. There were people who wanted to murder Robin Leonard. Like it was crazy. Like and obviously the, I'm being the, 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 the attendance was down. Right. You're getting booed at times. I, I brought up the other day. Marcia so certainly seemed to know that the fans were not happy because he pointed out multiple times, hey, coming home is always not the most pleasant thing. Let's go on the road. We feel better about being on the road. Give me cut two. A lot of these guys haven't played somewhere else, so they don't know really what it's like. And I felt, myself personally, uh, it always gets the best out of you when you have either a coach or somebody or when they're demanding and hold you accountable. And I found myself almost missing that a tiny bit when things went wrong this year. Yeah, I find myself, you know, kind of wanting that accountability now. But when I first got traded, definitely not. I, I, I had to kind of take a step back and, and reel myself in when it came to that. This is the kind of stuff that drives me nuts because the clips we've heard, he's very wishy-washy. He sort of says the team, but then he says it's not the team. Then he says he doesn't know where to find media. Give me a freaking break. And, dude, just speak openly. Just say it was a country club atmosphere. There wasn't enough accountability. Because he also said, I think he was trying to take a shot at management, saying that Pete DeBoer was the greatest coach he's ever played for. You just said in one of these clips that there was no pressure coming from management or the coach. Mm -hmm. That was Pete DeBoer. So is he the greatest coach you ever played for or just the nicest and friendliest? And there, and then at the core of this, this, this is the other thing. This is the bigger, I think, overall point which is the hockey fandom elitism, which is 
you're not a Canadian hockey fan. You don't understand the passion in which the Canadian fans root for their team. The city would be on fire if we were a man. And that's the other base of this. The two hosts are like ducking it up like, Haha, yeah, they, you know, they don't really know what it's like out there, huh? And it's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. From, the, from the country that's pushing, what, 30 years? With all the pressure they put on players, 30 years without a Stanley Cup. Maybe all of that doesn't work <laughs> the best, right? No, come on. There's nothing like fandom in Canada about hockey. Let's get into college football on the way back. Uh, every Thursday we've been doing a UNLV football opponent preview. San Jose State is up on October 7th. The Rebels will be on the road. Uh, we're going to talk to Kevin Richardson, who is the color analyst for Spartans football, also played his own football in the 80s at Stanford. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield & Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus San Jose State. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas. UNLV opponent previews continue, and we get a chance to uh, look at one of the games in the middle of the season. Very important game on the road at San Jose State. Kevin Richardson is with us. He is the uh, analyst for Spartans football, played football at Stanford. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing good, like you. I'm getting pretty fired up about uh, this 2022 uh football season it's fun to kind of pull the stats together and start getting calls from guys like yourself and talk about football yeah i've been out there uh i think for all five practices or four or five for unlv so it's uh, it's interesting prepping here in las vegas for a football season versus other places it's uh it's pretty ridiculous i forgot how hot it is here and we've got humidity but i mean you went through this as a player fall camp um is just a a crazy combination of trying to make sure that you're in shape, ready for the season, but also all the installation stuff and learning what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I grew up uh, near Bakersfield, a little town called Shafter. So weather very similar to Vegas for fall camp. And, you know, don't drink too much water. You'll get a cramp and all that stuff. Right. And uh, and then thinking about, you know, doing uh, two-a-days in the Bay Area when I was a college player and you know, that's probably some of the best weather in the world on the San Francisco Peninsula, right? So, but we were talking the other day, a friend of mine who was a football player about double days and how really kind of unproductive those were, you know, because you would just get past the point of no return from a from a body standpoint. The other thing I got to find out from you guys is you've got uh, you've got a local kid from my hometown here of uh, Salinas, California, uh, Jeff Weimer, mm -hmm. who's a San Francisco City College uh, transfer who uh, one of my favorite kids, he and I trade text messages maybe about once a month. And uh, that guy loves football. I bet he'll have a lot of catches for the Rebs this year. He looks really good so far, and he's a lot bigger than I expected. No, he's legit 6'2", 215, good hands. He's going to be a guy who goes over the middle, is going to take some you know, real wax, and uh, you know, is developing that chemistry with all three quarterbacks who are in the rotation potentially to start. So let's talk about San Jose State, a quarterback. I figured Nick Nash would move right in for Starkle, but the program went out and got a reinforcement, and a reinforcement that we're all really familiar with in Cordero from Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, think of this quarterback uh, situation in the Mountain West Conference this year. The other day, I put it together, we might have 10 of the 12 quarterbacks are transfers, and I think three of those from inside the conference, and of course, yeah, Chevin Cordero being one of those guys, you know, he played against San Jose State three times. I think he was actually one and two against uh, San Jose State. But I, he looks good in fall camp. Um, he's one of those guys when you break down the Mountain West quarterbacks, and I think I would go with Braxton Burmeister being the other guy 
that can beat you up with his legs. Um, different runners. Burmeister, I think, is a little more physical. But when you watch Chevin, he's just so elusive as a runner. And I keep explaining it like if Kevin McGiven, the offensive coordinator, dials up 15 pass plays, Chevin's probably going to pull it down two or three times and probably net you 20, 25 yards on those three carries. You know, get a five-yarder, pop a 15-yarder kind of guy. Um, and it makes him a better passer because you watch the linebackers when they're playing against him. You can't bail out of there and get deep because he'll run the ball, so you sit short, and he's got enough of an arm to throw it behind you. So I, I look for good things from him. Um, again, Nick Nash is in the mix, but I also think you'll probably see Nick Nash in the mix as a ball carrier and a receiver also. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a dynamic runner, no doubt about it. Um, offensive line, what do you think coming back uh, this year on the offensive line for the Spartans? Boy, as I look at my call sheet, you know, it, it's pretty interesting because it's uh, it's 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 blank right now in terms of or my spotting boards, rather, because I'm doing play-by-play for our opener. And uh, i got to get up there, spend a little more time looking at the offensive line. The part that I like is the offensive line coach is – such a great guy and has brought that group to a whole new level. But really, when you talk about San Jose State offensively, it's really about running the ball. You know, 120 yards per game last year. They've always struggled to run the ball with Brent Brennan. And, um, you know, obviously they see the same stat you or I see, but that's, I think, the key to their 2022 season. If they can get up to around 150 yards per game, that makes everybody else better. Well, Brent Brandon, as you mentioned, uh, head coach, got some reinforcements, and he actually went in conference to get reinforcements. Everyone seemed to raid the Nevada roster. Elijah Cooks is a completely fascinating dude. If healthy, he is a monster on the edge. Yeah, I, you know, there are some uh, – so we're not – there's no uh, football poker going on here. It's, it's right on Twitter this afternoon. He had a couple of catches today in practice that were just unbelievable and – yeah, 6'4", 215, guys from Atascadero. And, you know, I think of Bailey Gaither, who was at San Jose State, who was from Paso Robles, just to, you know, stones throw up the uh, up the 101 there. And then, of course, Josh Oliver, the big tight end that San Jose State had a few years ago. But that part of the state has these real sleeper athletes, right? You're getting this big influx of population there from Southern California, being a Central California guy, I guess I'm kind of dialed in on that. But, boy, you're starting to get these athletes out of that part of the state that are really amazing. And, like I say, Elijah looks great. You know, there's you know a few other guys there on that roster that probably need to step up this fall. And we were talking about Sam Olson the other day on the Mountain West Network, who's a tight end that just had four catches last year, but looked great and then got hurt, and that was the end of the season. I think he'll look pretty good, too. Um, as, a, as a pass catcher for San Jose. We're doing our uh, weekly UNLV opponent previews. Kevin Richardson is one of the voices of San Jose State football, played his football at Stanford. The game goes down in San Jose on October 7th. Before we get to the defense, I wanted to get your opinion of where Brent Brennan is as, as a head coach because I'll give you a couple of my critiques. Uh, one, and I'm going to base it on the San Diego State game. I thought he got a little loose towards the end of the game with aggression. That's a game I think they could have won. They played a, a masterful defensive game. And one of the things I've also noticed, the team plays with a chip on its shoulder, but it also goes over the line sometimes. And I think they do need to reduce some of those chippy penalties. You know, I, uh, it sounds like you've been listening to our broadcast for <laughs> the last couple of years. 
it, it's an interesting inflection point because Brent's a fiery guy, loves to bring a lot of emotion to the game. And it feels like down the stretch sometimes you're really sitting there at the tipping point where, like most football games, you've got to respond. Right. And, and you're responding not when it went your way, but when it went against you. And that's been a real challenge in 2020. And I maybe would drive that back to maybe Nick Starkle, at quarterback. Nick played last year, but was injured. So he just wasn't the same kind of guy. But Nick, I always felt like, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks earlier. This was his third stop. He's one of those elite 11 guys. And so you've been to a thousand quarterback camps and you're used to, you know, the guy in line that's next is, you know, throwing the ball at your ankles out of a shotgun. So you've, you know, you, you know, you know how to play that game, if it makes sense, right? This thing that we're kind of, I guess, trying to talk about. Um, and I always felt like Starkle throws an interception, throws a touchdown. The reaction is the same. Just let me throw another one, right? Um, and so I, I, I agree with you. Down the stretch, sometimes it tips the wrong way when you've really just – I always say football is a mean and dirty game and you have to be mean and dirty to play it. And I say that affectionately, Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things, you know, the other deal with, with, uh, with Brent in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of things to really improve on, you know, it, it is the run game. I mean, they've been uh, under 50 yards rushing 13 times in, in Brent's tenure. This will be his sixth year this fall. So that's something, if that gets better, you're obviously moving the chains. Your third down conversion goes up. That goes up. You stay on the field and you, you win more games. I've been kind of breaking it down. You might, you might appreciate this, but I looked at everybody in the Mountain West saying, hey, where are you at in yards per touchdown, right? And an interesting number, because for San Jose State last year, because they weren't able to convert on third down and that three-game skid at the end, it's up around 119 yards per game versus you get into a San Diego State number, they're like 81 yards per touchdown. They're playing great special teams. Turnovers are on their side, and they really get you into that phone booth, if you will, and they don't make a lot of mistakes, right? And those are two obvious extremes. But I think that's the big deal for, for Brent this year need to run the ball well. I do like the new leadership in the athletic department, Jeff Konya. You're actually starting to see things on the east side of the stadium. It's for real now. And, you know, that's been hard to coach through that and saying, hey, look over there. We're going to have a football facility at some point. Now you've got it. That kind of gets the wind at your back. All right, Kevin, sit tight. We'll come back with Kevin Richardson for a few more questions about San Jose State football. I also want to get into the Pac-12 and college football Realignment, as I mentioned, uh, Kevin played linebacker at Stanford in the 80s. Let's do a giveaway right now. 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest. 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest is in town September 29th to October 2nd. It's at the Orleans. Right now they've got a buy one ticket, get one free. Use the code BEER22 at orleansarena.com. It's 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest at the Orleans four-day festival. We've got two tickets right now. 364-1100, It's caller number seven. Two tickets to 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. 